A while back, I found an advertisement on the internet for $50. For $50. You send $50 off to this company on some website somewhere, and you can own one square foot of land in Scotland. I'm sure the view is beautiful. Probably a golf course somewhere nearby, Steve, you know? I'm sure the view is... The neighbors, if it's just one square foot, the neighbors are going to be just kind of a pain right there, you know? They're going to be really, really close by. But the beauty of it is, since you now own one square foot of land in Scotland, you, you receive the title that goes with that land. So now you get to be Lord Steve when you are addressed. Uh, you get to be you get to be Lady Camille or or or, or Lady Lady Nancy as you have now received you're a landowner in Scotland and so people are for fifty bucks they are doing this for their parents you know they're buying a title for mom or dad or buying one for has anyone received one of these yet has anyone done that you know my birthday is coming up on uh, on Wednesday please don't get me this I mean it's bad enough I'm working on a doctorate right. Because you know I'm just going to abuse that. And uh, the worst thing I could be is that I would become Lord Doctor at some point. Or Doctor Lord. That would be awful. We can't have that. So don't, please don't get me that. But a lot of people are enjoying these. And they promise that it's legit. They say it is a legitimate title. Since you are a landowner, you deserve the title. And yet it's strange that no one ever shows up to collect taxes on your, on your one square foot of land somewhere in Scotland. We seem to have this bizarre fascination with titles and royalty especially it's so strange especially since about 250 years ago we told them we were done with that we kicked those guys back across the pond but if we could step away from the interest in the titles and and kings and queens and castles and all of that maybe instead we could focus on what it means to be a kingdom to have a kingdom Uh, And that actually could be valuable to us. You know, a kingdom is not like a republic. Uh, A kingdom is not like a democracy. It's not even like a a, a sovereign nation. It it is not a political entity. A kingdom is defined by the reign of a king. And that makes you and I part of the kingdom of God, even if you're not Lady Donna. You're still Lady to me. We're looking at the images that the Bible gives us for who we are together what it means for us to serve Jesus together. We're calling it This Is Us. Who we are together. Not just you over there doing your own little thing or me over here doing my thing, but who it is that we are identified as as a group. What it is that gives us not just our identity, but our mission. And One of the first identities that Jesus gives us back in the Gospels is He speaks of the Kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is just finished being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And in verse 17, it said, from that time on, Jesus went about preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus teaches us to pray that prayer that we will pray together next Sunday. And that prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a kingdom prayer. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus announcing and inaugurating His kingdom. And so the question that we read at the beginning of the book of Acts is a question that makes a lot of sense. Right after Acts comes in, right after the Gospels, and 
Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be today, verses 6 through 8. It's page 909 in the blue Bibles in front of you. And again, all of the sermon notes or the, the Scripture references are on the Bible app if you want to follow along there. But here we have at the beginning of the book of Acts, shortly after the resurrection, the, the disciples have pledged their lives to Jesus to serve Jesus as their King. They have seen Him resurrected. And so the question is, what now? What does this mean now? And so we read their question in verse 6. When they had come together, they asked Him, they asked Jesus, Lord, there you go, there's the title, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is it done? Is it finished? Is it truly finished? Have we completed our mission? Is the kingdom now going to come? And what Jesus tells them, what He's, what he's telling us is that it's, it's just the beginning. It's still just the beginning. And so we read on verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Go online and for $50, you can go to a website and for $50, you can buy yourself a square foot of land in Scotland and you can get a title. They will mail your loved one a certificate declaring them to be Lord of the realm or Lady of the land. For an extra 10 bucks, by the way, they will plant a tree on your one square foot of land. That's good. That's just going to make it even prettier. You know, just extra $10, you put a tree there. That's not how kingdoms work. What Jesus is telling His disciples and what He's telling us is that we are the kingdom. And the kingdom comes as you carry Christ into your world. So in order for His kingdom to come, Jesus calls us to bring His kingdom. And for us to do that, He promises first to empower us. He promises to empower His servants. The disciples want to know what Jesus is doing. They want, they want to know what Jesus has done for them. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, they say. You know, Israel was under Roman rule at this time. They were subjected to the Roman Empire. That's a whole different kingdom. Uh, they were paying their taxes to Rome. They were under the boot heels of Rome's authority. And so the question is, is that all over now, Jesus? Are you really going to take charge? And Jesus' response to them, his response to us, isn't so much about what He has done as to what He is preparing us to do. Verse 7 again, He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You hear verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we immediately go, oh, that's, that's the day of Pentecost. You know, we celebrated the day of Pentecost the first Sunday of June, the first Sunday of this month. That's, that's Pentecost. That's Acts chapter 2 that he's talking about. That's where it happens. Well, yes and, and no. Yes and no. It, it's a little bit of both right there. All the way through Acts, we, we see God's people empowered to serve. Uh, the apostles speak with authority 
They are empowered to speak with authority. Stephen speaks up, and Stephen, we're told, is full of grace and full of power. And at the end of the book of Acts, Paul is in under house arrest. He's in his own home under house arrest. He cannot leave, and yet he still preaches. And the last word in the book of Acts says, boldly and without hindrance, Paul continued to preach. The lesson comes back through the book of Acts again and again is that there is not a challenge that God's people face that He does not empower us to meet that challenge. And that was true on the day of Pentecost. That's, that was true on the day of Pentecost when thousands packed into Jerusalem to hear the message that Peter shared. Uh, that was true all the way through the book of Acts as we see people bringing the Gospel wherever they end up going. And because Jesus is still King, because you and I still pray that prayer, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and because His Holy Spirit continues to empower His servants to meet our challenges today, it, it's still true today. Now, there are times when the challenges in this world seem huge to us. There are times when the challenges that you and I face today just seem absolutely huge. There are times when even in our little community, we feel outnumbered. We feel outnumbered and overpowered. And we look around the world today, and I don't know about you, but as I look around and I see the things that we've encountered over the last few years, like no one prepared me for this. We could not have imagined some of the things that we've had to that we've had to deal with, some of the struggles that we've had over the last few years. And as disheartening as that can be, and it is disheartening, I can't let go of the promise. From the very beginning, Jesus promised he would empower his servants. We can trust that he always gives us strength. He always gives us strength to be bold, to reach out, and to make a difference no matter when we live. No matter what time we live, no matter where we live, He always empowers us to engage our world. And that's, the part, that's part of bringing the kingdom also. It's not just that He empowers us, but that He empowers us so that we can engage our world. One thing I think we need to be very cautious about with this image of the kingdom of God, one thing we have to be cautious about is in thinking that the church itself is the fullness of the kingdom of God. Like, this is it. You know, we've arrived. We are the kingdom of God and, and we are the full expression of God's kingdom. It's, it's not. Rather, the church is a community that is in service to the kingdom of God. We witness to the kingdom of God, the, the values of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom. If anyone around us wants to understand what the kingdom of God is like, they ought to be able to look to us. That's the plan, anyway. I mean, that's... That's the plan. The plan was never for us to put up walls and keep people out. And that plan was never for us to lock the doors and just entertain the saints, you know, and keep everything happening in here and just engage ourselves. It's about engaging our world. And I want you to hear that from Jesus again. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. <laughs> These 12 disciples He's talking to, they're from, they're from Galilee. Well, that's the backwater corner of the world. You know, They're just a bunch of hillbillies uh, from Galilee. But here Jesus is telling them, you've got to reach out. You've got to reach beyond. You're going to engage 
you're going to engage parts of your world that you never would have gone to on your own. I don't know how many times I've preached this passage, and I think every time I've preached it, I've given you, uh, I feel like I need to remind you of our, our calling and of our vision. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city where they were right then. That was, that was now their hometown. They were living in Jerusalem. Uh, the city where they were with people around them who knew them. People, who, in fact, around them who may have been very much like them. People that they encountered every day. Those people they were to witness to Jesus. This is our Jerusalem. Wherever it is that you call home, that is your Jerusalem. And the people that live in that area they need to see Jesus in you. And then he says all of Judea. You can think of Judea kind of as the county uh, in which Jerusalem was a part of that county. I've asked you for years to imagine a 15-mile radius out from Kansas. And just think about all the communities that encompass that 15 miles out from Kansas. Communities like Ashmore, communities like Oakland, Paris, Charleston, uh, other areas, and people that we encounter from maybe not every day, but we encounter them from time to time. That is our sphere of influence. That is our Jerusalem. Are there people in that circle that we can share Jesus with? Are there people in that circle we can witness to? And then there's Samaria. Samaria is the ancient enemies of the Jews. The people that did not see eye to eye. People who lived in an adversarial way with the Jewish people, with the people of Jerusalem. People they were at odds with. And the question is, will we even go to our Samaria? Will we go to those that don't see eye to eye with us? Will we go to those who are adversarial? Where are those places? I feel like some of them are online right now. I feel like some of them are those interactions that we have with people who don't see things quite the way that we see them, but they still ought to be able to see Jesus in us. And then to the end of the earth. He's saying there's no place that we can go where we are not called to engage our world for Jesus. We are the kingdom of God. And yet we are not the end of the kingdom of God. There are kingdom encounters still waiting for us out there. We just need to find those kingdom encounters. Yesterday, our ladies had their bake sale here and they welcomed a lot of people from our community, from our Jerusalem, to come in here and, and to share together. They invited them in. They encouraged and engaged our community. Just under two weeks, we'll be having our VBS here with kindergarten through fourth grade kids. I don't know if you've noticed, there are not a lot of kindergartner to fourth grade kids in our church. People, people just don't bring their kids to church anymore. People don't bring their neighbor's kids to church anymore. That used to happen a lot, didn't it? You'd stop and pick up kids and, and bring them to church. People don't send their kids to church anymore. There, there was a time when people knew it was good for their kids to be in church. They had other things to do, but they would send their kids to church. People don't do that anymore. And if we're committed to our mission of engaging our world and reaching out beyond ourselves, then we will bring the kingdom to the people around us, the people who need to know Jesus. And this is the promise of Jesus. He empowers us. He empowers His followers so that we can engage our world. And when we do that, we will expand His reign. This is a kingdom mentality that, again, I don't think we 
get very well, that we expand the reign of the kingdom. We used to get it. We used to understand it. Because we used to be colonies, right? I mean, we heard about that in history. We used to be colonies of Britain. That is very much a kingdom image. Taking it back to their context, there were colonies of the Roman Empire all over the place. Paul writes his little letter to the Philippians. The letter to the Philippians is to Philippi, which was a Roman colony out there on the edge of the world. Romans, Roman soldiers would retire and they could move to Philippi. And the goal of that Philippian colony was not to take all of those people that lived in Philippi and move them back to Rome. That was not the goal. The goal was to take what was essential to being Rome and move it to Philippi. That's how colonies work. You take the essence of that kingdom and you move it to that colony. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing in our world. But that's the idea of colonizing. You take Rome and you move it to Philippi. So Philippi becomes like Rome. Jesus says, you will go to the, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. You will expand my reign. And he teaches us to pray again. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? That is expanding his reign. That is bringing his kingdom here. And in that respect, this is not just a prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. It is a prayer that we get to answer with Jesus because he empowers us to go into this world to engage the people around us in our community in that sphere of our Judea and even those that we are at odds with in our world to engage with people around us and to expand his 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 kingdom to include others the kingdom comes as you carry Christ into your world his disciples didn't get that at first because they couldn't think beyond themselves. In fact, you hear it in that initial question back in verse 6. The question is, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Restore the kingdom to Israel. There is no, there is no outward impact, no mentality for growth or expansion. Their mindset is, is simply nationalism. We're going to protect who we are. We're going to protect our borders. And, you, and, and, the, and their mentality is also, and you do it, Jesus. You restore the kingdom to Israel. But no, that wasn't the vision then. That's not the vision now. It's never the vision. That's not how the kingdom comes. That's not how it came with Jesus. That's not how it comes with us. With Jesus, the kingdom came at great cost, at great risk. With Jesus, the kingdom came at great vulnerability. We don't dare think that we won't experience the same. Do you realize that if we are the church that Jesus calls us to be, there will also be risk. There will be cost. There will be vulnerability. I mean, it's great that we get to hear. You will receive power. We get to hear the, the boldness. We get to hear the authority. But it's not without willingness to engage our world, to meet people where they are, to meet them as broken as they are and hurting as they are, to know their hurts and offer our hearts to help. I really think preachers do a great job of overcomplicating stuff like this. I really think we do a great job of of making this a lot harder than it needs to be. And I wonder if we need to remind ourselves every now and then of just how simple the call is. 
for us. Aside from all the other things that, that we think a church should be. Or that a church could be. You know, These are the things that we could be. The things that we can be. The things that we would want to be. Can we just keep it simple? There's something that's been on my heart for, for a long time now. And, and I've struggled to communicate this because, well, to be honest, it's not original to me. But you know what? It, it doesn't have to be original to me. I have heard this from church after church after church, and I wonder if we just need to catch the simplicity of this. And could it be this simple? Could it just be this simple that all that you and I need to worry about doing, all that you and I need to concern ourselves with are three things. Love Jesus, love each other, and love Kansas. Could it be that simple? Love Jesus, love each other, love Kansas, love whatever community it is that you are in. Because I think this may be the purest expression of what the kingdom of God is meant to be. Love Jesus because He empowers us and our connection to Him is essential to our identity. We cannot be kingdom people without a king. We have to put Him first. That's the place He belongs in our lives. So we love Jesus. We love each other. Can we love each other? Because honestly, if we're not doing that, if we're not offering this to each other, then we cannot engage our world. We have nothing to offer our community. We have nothing to offer anyone outside the walls of this church if we are not offering it to each other. Love Jesus. Love each other. And love Kansas. Because that's where He's put us. That's where our mission is. Jesus, Jesus would not have placed you and I here right now if He didn't know that we could handle the challenges that are ahead of us. It is so wonderful that we've got some great history in this community. And it is so easy to look back and say, boy, you know, we loved Kansas when, in the 1950s. You know, we loved Kansas in the 1960s. We loved Kansas in the 70s. Back in the 80s, there were a lot of great things happening. A lot of hustle and bustle. A lot of activity. Jesus would not have placed you and I here in 2022 if He did not know that we can handle the challenges of 2022. That He could handle them through us. He would not have placed you and me here if He didn't know we, couldn't, we can reach the people in this community. Love Jesus, love each other, love Kansas. Is that easy enough? Can we remember those three things? Love Jesus, love each other, love Kansas, and the kingdom comes. It's just that simple. So, Jerusalem, Judea, that big circle, Samaria, <laughs> the ends of the earth. Where are you taking the kingdom this week? Where will you go that where you get to take the kingdom this week? Maybe, maybe you don't leave town this week. <laughs> That's okay. Take the kingdom where you go. Uh, maybe Judea. I've got a few stops to make in our Judea this week. How am I going to take the kingdom of God there? How am I going to witness for Jesus? Maybe Samaria. That place where you butt heads. That place where you're at odds. I don't know. It may be the Village of Kansas Facebook page this week, right? It might be an, uh, an encounter with someone online. It may be an encounter with someone face-to-face. -face. Where is your Samaria going to be and how are you going to take the love of Jesus there the way that you interact the way that you welcome others the way that you encourage others the way that you care for others 
will it bring the kingdom to them? This is us. We are the kingdom of God. Let's love people into His kingdom. I'm going to take communion here in just a moment. I love this song. We're going to sing Commune with Me. One of the things I love about the song Commune with Me is, well, it's communal. (laughs) It reminds us this isn't just about me. It's easy to forget that with our little our little cups of communion, you know, mine is foil sealed just for me. No one else, no one else is going to touch the contents of it. No one's going to get their germs on it. This is all about me. I could take it home if I want, and I could have communion in my closet if I wanted to, and I wouldn't have to look at anybody else. I don't think that's communion. Commune with me reminds us that this is a group activity. This is something that we do together. Love Jesus. Love each other and love Kansas. Commune with me today, Jesus. Meet me in the bread. Meet me in the cup. Remind me of Your great love for me and that Your body was broken, Your blood was shed so that I might know You as my King. So that I might know Your love. Commune with me, each other. I love the times when I've watched You get up Oh, Connor's getting up. That's different. <laughs> he sat through a whole sermon from his dad today. That's amazing. But I've watched you get up and go share communion with someone who's hurting in that moment. And I, I know whether they're here or not, there are people who are on your hearts and people who are on your minds. I know it's a lot of our friends who have to be at home right now. We're thinking about them and we miss them. And in one way or another, we we try to remind ourselves that we're communing with them. Commune with me, each other. Commune with me, Kansas. There are people around us, sometimes they challenge us. <laughs> sometimes they, they cause us to struggle. And yet the love of Jesus is still a part of, of our interactions with them. It is essential that we carry His love to them no matter how we might disagree, no matter how we might see things differently, no matter how at odds we may feel at times, commune with me, Kansas. Is there, is there a way that I can take something of His body to them, something of the life and the blood of Jesus in my interactions with the people around me today and bring the kingdom to them? Commune with me. Let's take a moment and pray. And we'll sing together. Father, we repent of the ways that we've overcomplicated Your message in our church, in our hearts, in our relationships. Lord, there have been times that we have have tried to make Your kingdom about us. There are times when we have tried to make Your kingdom just about those that, that see things the way we see them. People that we want to agree with. We've forgotten that your kingdom is so much greater. And so our prayer for you, our prayer to you today is that you would commune with us as we share this together. Thank you for the bread and the cup that remind us of your body broken, your blood shed. Father, I pray that as we share it, we truly do share it together. We come as one body, sharing this time and recognizing you in our presence today. And Father, for those that are out there, for those that are for those that are still 
in our sphere of influence, but, but not with us. We pray, Lord, that You would commune with us and that we would commune with them and that we would bring something of Your life and Your love to them. And in doing so, Your kingdom would come in wonderful ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.